Hello out there. Welcome to the Opportunity Starts at Home podcast, where we take a deep look at opportunity in America today and how housing fundamentally shapes that opportunity. This is your host, Mike Kaprowski. I'm the National Director of the Opportunity Starts at Home campaign. Research is increasingly showing that housing is a foundation for virtually everything. It predicts what kind of neighborhood you'll grow up in, the quality of school you'll attend, your access to transportation and amenities. Housing shapes segregation patterns, the crime levels of your surroundings, job opportunities, exposure to certain health risks, your friends and social networks. Housing policy is school policy, health policy, economic policy, civil rights policy, and more. Few things shape our opportunity more than housing. We have lots of evidence about it, and yet housing is often overlooked by our leaders and our policymakers. I'm excited about today's episode. We're recording this in Sacramento, California. Uh, I'm here with two guests, Lisa Hershey, who is the Executive Director of Housing California, and Angela Jenkins, who is the Director of Strategic Initiatives and External and Community Affairs with Kaiser Permanente. Uh, So we have someone from the housing field and we have someone from the health field, and we're gonna talk about the connections between these two worlds, and we're gonna apply the California lens. First, a little background. The Opportunity Starts at Home campaign, as the listeners would know, is a national campaign. It's about building a broad multi-sector movement to impact federal housing policy. I'm the director of that campaign. But a key feature of this national campaign is that we've provided capacity building grants to partners in seven states. And the idea is that with these additional resources, these state partners can focus more on building multi-sector coalitions at their levels and influencing key federal policymakers from their states. And so we have seven state grantees, California, Idaho, Maine, New Jersey, Ohio, Oregon, and Utah. And today we're focused on the efforts in California. Leading this multi-sector housing campaign in California is Housing California. Housing California is the voice in the California state capital for safe, stable, and affordable homes. Lisa Hershey has been the head since November 2016. She has an extensive background in leading multi-sector initiatives around policy change and has done a great job cultivating non-traditional partnerships, bringing the housing sector into greater conversations around climate change and equity, health, and resident organizing. Before joining Housing California, Lisa served as the Public Health Institute Program Director for California Convergence, which is a network of resident leaders and partners creating healthy, safe, and equitable communities. And she also served as an advisor in the California Department of Public Health. So her own career is a multi-sector one. Kaiser Permanente is one of those multi-sector partners that has been engaging with Housing California. Uh, For those in the audience that need a primer on Kaiser Permanente, uh, they are a huge player in the healthcare sector. It's a managed care consortium based out of Oakland. It's made of three groups, the Kaiser Foundation Health Plan and its regional subsidiaries, Kaiser Foundation Hospitals, and the regional Permanente Medical Groups. Uh, Kaiser Permanente operates in eight states, including California, of course, and in DC. It's the largest managed care organization in the US, uh, 12 million health plan members, over 200,000 employees, over 20,000 physicians, 54,000 nurses, 39 medical centers, 720 medical facilities. It's a mega health system, and it's a big deal that they are deeply engaged in the housing conversation. And so we have with us Angela Jenkins, uh, and she currently serves as the Director of Strategic Initiatives for Kaiser Permanente's Northern California region. She's responsible 
for the region's community health strategy, which is an effort designed to leverage all of Kaiser Permanente's assets to improve community health. Previously, Angela worked as the Director of Public Affairs for Kaiser Permanente's East Bay Area and the Director of Community Benefit Programs for Kaiser Permanente's Northern California region. She's also provided uh, direct oversight for the region's high school and college internship programs called KP Launch. KP is short for Kaiser Permanente, by the way, and was responsible for implementing the region's workforce investment strategy. And before Kaiser Permanente, she was a case manager for adolescent parents and a counselor at a women's correctional facility located in Northern California. So Lisa and Angela, welcome to the podcast. Uh, really excited to talk with you both. So Lisa, I wanted to start with a few questions for you uh, to kind of set the stage and then I'll have a series of questions for Angela and then we'll just kind of go back and forth. So Lisa, help us set the stage. Uh, talk to us about your organization, Housing California. Uh, what do you all do? Yeah, thanks for having us here today, Mike. Yeah. So Housing California advances housing justice to prevent and end homelessness and to ensure that every resident of California has a safe, affordable place to call home in a vibrant, inclusive, healthy, and prosperous community. We accomplish this in several ways. We advocate for affordable housing and homelessness policies in the state capital as well as through the statewide ballot process. We educate policymakers and key leaders. We hold the largest annual conference on housing and homelessness in the country to provide a space for innovation. We empower residents of affordable home developments through our Residents United Network to help change policies that impact communities. And we serve as a thought leader and a convener of strong multi-sector coalitions to broaden the housing movement and change ineffectual systems. And so, the, so you're an affordable housing advocacy organization. The affordable housing crisis is sort of legendary at this point in California, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so talk to us briefly about what, I mean, what's the state of housing affordability in California? I mean, what are the, what are the problems and what are you advocating for in terms of solutions? Right. So as you may have heard, California's housing <laughs> we've, we've heard, yeah. <laughs> California's housing costs have skyrocketed, skyrocketed, and at the same time, our wages have stayed stagnant or decreased. High housing costs lead to instability, displacement, and homelessness, and drive poor health, education, and environmental outcomes. We know that California families on modest wagers wages and seniors on small fixed incomes are spending more than half of their income on housing, forcing them to make really challenging decisions between food and health care, health care and rent. When, when you factor in the living costs like housing, California has the highest poverty rate in the country. 20.4%. And we know uh, via a more most a really recent study that almost 48% of our children are, in California are living in poverty. Mm-hmm. And after the state eliminated our main source of affordable housing funding in California, we saw a 14% rise in homelessness just from 2016 to 2017. We know also that it's impossible to take care of your health and the health of your families without a safe, stable place to call home. And we also know the direct solution to homelessness is more affordable homes. That's why Housing California advocates for solutions, and I don't know if you want me to jump there yet, but solutions that include producing more affordable housing and supportive housing, which are homes that have the wraparound services like behavioral health, addiction, mental health, 
preserve quality affordable homes so they remain affordable to the families that live there and protect low-income residents from displacement fueled by rising house costs housing costs and speculation so you are um you know you're a partner of this opportunity starts at home campaign you're obviously a believer in the multi-sector approach and so you're not just sort of thinking about this as a housing problem this is a this is a much bigger problem than that um, so why do you think that we need a, a multi-sector approach and um, you know how how is your work trying to influence housing policy through that multi-sector voice right so um, we know this crisis is solvable, and some of the ways that we've been successful, for example, in 2017, we worked with partners from a variety of different sectors, from transportation, from land use, from health, um, and a variety of other sectors to advocate for and successfully pass 23 housing-related bills, including our first ever permanent source for funding of affordable homes, mm-hmm. as well as the $4 billion Veterans and Affordable Housing Bond. And we also know that this multi-sector approach led to very specific promising outcomes. For example, um, a couple of years ago, we had we created this coalition with Transform, which is called Sustainable Communities for All. And together, this coalition has folks from um, active transportation, transit, natural resources and housing and we came together and we successfully advocated for what was then SB 862 which is more commonly known as cap and trade or the greenhouse gas reduction funds which has resulted in 200 to 400 million and we've heard most recently up to 500 million dollars a year from these revenues that will be secured to go into affordable housing along with transit, urban forestry, energy efficiency, and active transportation to really create healthy communities. Similarly, we worked with the building trades, with the business community, um, with our health partners, at we are currently uh, co-leading the $4 billion Veterans and Affordable Housing Act of 2018. And we, as we've built this campaign, Kaiser's one of our key partners on this, um, and other folks from the ag industry, from education, who see housing as the solution to homelessness and housing as to better outcomes for whatever sector that they're in. We know that access to affordable homes has a direct impact on health, as well as the environment, criminal justice outcomes, um, and educational outcomes. So, Angela, I want to I loop you into this as well and, and uh, give us a little primer on your organization. Um, I tried to do a decent job of describing what it is, but you know much better than I. Um, so, we, so tell us, I mean, what, is, what does KP do and, and what's your role specifically within uh, Kaiser Permanente? Sure, thank you. Yeah, I think you've done a fabulous job describing <laughs> the organization. Um, the only thing that I would add to that is that we have over 300,000 employees that we're serving that work with us. And Kaiser Permanente um, has been around since 1945. We, Henry J. Kaiser and mm-hmm. Sidney Garfield started the organization as the first um, prepayment health plan. And I think that we have a history of giving to the community and focusing on community health, particularly when, um, when we first started. And I think this is a good manifestation of the work that we continue yeah. to do with the organization. We have a robust uh, community health agenda. It was traditionally our community benefit program. But we have um, demonstrated for many years our ability to partner with communities and to work with our multi-sector approach with government, with education, with other healthcare providers to focus on improving health. 
And just recently, as we made this announcement, it was critically important to us to continue to focus on health and focus on housing, particularly since we recognize, as Lisa mentioned, the health impacts mm -hmm. that come from the lack of affordability, yeah. affordable housing and homelessness. And we think of when we're looking at homelessness and housing, we're looking not only at our members, but we're also looking at our workforce and yeah. the communities that we serve are deeply impacted by this issue. And so for Kaiser Permanente, I believe that this is really a manifestation of the work that we've been doing before and want to mm -hmm. continue to do in terms of trying to figure out how we can find deep solutions to address very complex issues like housing affordability in our communities. Great. And then your role day to day, what is it that you do within sure. the organization? Yeah, well you mentioned I'm the Director of Strategic yeah. Initiatives for Northern California. That's a fairly new role. And part of my work is really is working with uh, all those sectors within Kaiser Permanente to figure out how we can leverage multiple assets from our organization to improve health. As I mentioned, traditionally we've done community benefit, mostly through grant making, okay. but under the leadership of our new Chief Community Health Officer, Gashawa Shukair, and our mm -hmm. CEO, Bernard Tyson, they've challenged the organization, organization to think very deeply about how we can look at different ways that we can invest in communities. And one of the things that we've done is a social impact investment strategy that we'll yeah. talk about today, yeah. is to really think about how we can look at different parts of our organization to have deeper impact on the community. And part of my role is to work in Northern California to identify those assets to address healthcare issues, including housing. Yeah, and you guys have really um, pushed the forefront. I mean, you made a, a pretty big splash recently uh, by pledging $200 million mm -hmm. uh, toward affordable housing and ending homelessness in eight states, mm -hmm. plus D.C. Um, and I mean, it's everybody's calling it. It's one of the largest private investments ever in affordable housing. Mm -hmm. Why are you doing this? Well, I mean, I think Lisa said greatly that health housing is linked to health care outcomes, and we see. Um, I mean. We all know that health is driven by mostly things that happen outside of the clinical environment, mostly social environmental factors mm -hmm. influence health. Um, people come into our clinics and sometimes it's a little too late. Health, their health has gotten out of, out of control and there are many people that we see who are struggling to pay rent um, in, in terms of their trying to focus on their medication or paying rent. And I think that we recognize that we have an opportunity to provide support to communities who are trying to increase the availability of affordable housing through this investment. And uh, we created the Thriving Communities Fund to make an impact on, to address key social issues and to um, pr preserve affordable housing in communities where gentrification is increasing and people are being displaced and mm -hmm. homelessness is increasing. And I think the idea is for us to figure out what we can do to partner with um, business communities with city and counties to address and prevent homelessness for lower and middle income families. We want to be able to make homes more affordable and more healthy and so some of the work that we'll be doing with the fund is to not only preserve housing but to do rehab so that the housing mm -hmm. that people live in is healthier and we really want to be able to support neighborhoods so that they can be healthy so that their kids can be healthy their kids can finish school that people can stay um, stable in their housing and and stay in their jobs um, because we know that that's directly linked to their health care and their um, economic viability in the future yeah yeah, I think, um, I mean, you, you sort of hit the nail on the head the way that I think about it. And I, I wasn't aware of this research until recently, but the, the idea that most of what impacts your health is happening outside of the doctor's right. office, which is just not something that you think about. So, there, I mean, there's been a lot of, uh, I think, recent studies in terms of what impacts health. And um, one of the uh, studies that I, that I uh, found really compelling, uh, not just one study, there's been multiple, but they've looked at... I guess they call it the modifiable determinants of, of health, basically the things you can change 
right? There's the, there, it excludes things like genetics, right? So it just looks at the mm-hmm. things you can change and only 20% is impacted by clinical care, right? right. The, the stuff that happens in the doctor's office, only right. 20%. By comparison, 40% is social and economic factors. Okay. So I think KP has sort of reached the conclusion that, um, you know, if you're gonna have a healthier country, stable housing is at least as important as um, medical care itself, right. which is um, really fascinating. And, it, and I think it, um, it's not what a lot of people think when they think about health. They think that it occurs in the doctor's office okay. and then you go home, right? But That's it's right. actually much more complex than that. So with this research, we're seeing a growing number of health systems that are getting involved mm-hmm. in the housing affordability crisis. I know uh, United Healthcare has been doing some work in Phoenix to support housing for low and moderate income residents and, and plenty of others are across the country. There, there seems to be a growing recognition that, hey, it's, it's in our self-interest mm-hmm. to do this. It's not charity. It's not kumbaya stuff. Okay. I mean, this is an investment. There's a return. Uh, it's good, good for business, right? I mean, there's a, there's a direct correlation between moving into affordable housing and spending less on health care. Um, primary care visits go up, Medicaid costs go down, ER okay. visits go down, accumulated okay. medical expenses go down. Um, there was a, one of our partners with the campaign, Children's Health Watch, um, did an estimate that said that the, over the next 10 years, the U.S. will spend $111 billion in avoidable health care costs because people are unstably housed. Um, so you all are about preventative mm-hmm. care, uh, mm-hmm. and you do all sorts of stuff in that space, right? There's, um, you sponsor walk initiatives and in helping cities design more walkable communities. Is affordable housing, you know, safe, decent, affordable housing and, and strong neighborhoods, is that what you all think of as preventative care? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think the research, as you say, demonstrates the fact that when people have access to affordable care, they have improved health outcomes. And we just recently did a project in Oakland called the Challenge Sprint, where we were actually asked to solve for for homelessness for frail elders in Oakland. And we spent about 12 weeks researching the issue in Alameda County and Oakland. And we had the benefit of um, hearing from Dr. Margot Cushell, who did research on Mm -hmm. homeless individuals in Oakland. And she was talking about how at 45, you can be demonstrating chronic conditions and health outcomes as if you're at least 10 years older Mm. when you're homeless and on the streets. Mm. And so, and once people get connected to housing, we know that their healthcare improves. And so from a preventative perspective, I mean, you're looking at seniors and we're trying to manage and prevent chronic conditions from getting worse. But as you mentioned, if you have children and families living in stable housing, they're able to remain in school. If they're healthy housing, they're not staying home because of asthma, and asthma's not being managed. Uh, They're able to complete and attain good educational attainment. We have people who are not struggling to pay their rent and can can maintain their jobs. Mm -hmm. And so I think from a prevention perspective, when you're looking at social determinants, getting in the realm of housing is critically important for us. One, not only does it impact the individual's health and a community's health, but it also cost savings in the system yeah. later on are critically important because then you can reinvest those savings into better care. And for, for an organization like Kaiser Permanente, we can, we can reinvest that into working with our partners to improve community health. So yeah. definitely a preventative measure for us. Yeah, a cycle of savings and reinvestment. That's right. Yeah, go figure. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that, so we're seeing this trend of health systems that are getting more involved in the space of housing. Is that trend going to keep increasing? or is it just kind of the flavor of the moment and it'll slow down and we'll be on to something else? I mean, what, what's your sense of things? I don't think, I, don't, I wouldn't say it's a flavor of the moment. I yeah. think that we, when we, this is, was a 
significant announcement for us and yeah. a significant investment yeah. in a very different way for us to invest in communities. And I think what I enjoy about it is that it's we, we've leveraged the full weight of our organization. These are, these are not community benefit dollars that we're putting into housing. It's something that we're making a long-term investments mm-hmm. with communities. Um, to make sure that they can remain viable and healthy. And the Thriving Communities Fund is not just for housing. We'll be using it for other purposes and other health care issues that come okay. up. And so for us, we, we don't believe it's the flavor of the day because yeah. our understanding of community health and the interventions that can influence health is evolving. And I think the solutions that we are creating will evolve with our learning as it increases in different ways that we can improve health and prevent um, poor health outcomes later on in life. And so I think that for us, it's one step in that first direction of really thinking creatively and innovatively about how we can take advantage of the full weight of our organization to have a deep, deep impact on individuals' health and individuals' health and uh, our community's health. Mm-hmm. And I think it's compelling us to, um, I think we're, us coming into the, fr- into the play with all of yeah. this is new, and I think it's just it strengthens the existing conversation and network of healthcare systems that are already doing this work. And I think it elevates the conversation in a different way to demonstrate that a healthcare organization is caring about someone's home and where people yeah. live yeah. and why that's so important to their to their health. So, yeah. Yeah. so I would not say it's just the flavor of the moment. Well, good. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> uh, Lisa, I want to take it back to you and, and talk about how, how this growing involvement of the healthcare sector has changed the game for housers or housing advocates. I mean, how how does it change your advocacy efforts on the housing front? Yeah, so um, I'll speak specifically to your question, Mike, but I just want to reflect back. So I've been doing public policy in California for about 30 years and in public health for 25 Mm -hmm. and really working on policy systems change, working with low-income communities, communities of color, a lot of the folks that you guys Mm -hmm. serve and working with very closely with Kaiser Permanente. And it's just so exciting for me. I came into housing because I realized without a safe, affordable place to call home, everything we worked for in public health was virtually impossible. And so listening, you know, watching the conversation change from 2006 when we started healthcare reform in California and worked on, I was working on chronic disease prevention and having you all, Kaiser as our spokesperson, and speaking to, you know, housing as a social Mm -hmm. determinant of health and it coming from you is so powerful. And having Kaiser move from community benefit, like we have to invest these dollars to we're going to invest, make a true investment. You know, uh, that was really critical. So I just like ha- having worked in politics and policy in California for 30 years, really honored to sit here with you, Angela, and to see Kaiser leading the way. And we know um, some of the other folks are also really stepping up with you mm-hmm. and making that investment for the long run, really the return on investment. And so um, in terms of how it's made a difference for us, I mean, we... Housing California does all of our work through multi-sector opportunities, but what we're trying to move now is behemoth. And for example, the $4 billion Veterans and Affordable Housing Act and the $2 billion No Place I Home, Proposition 1 and Proposition 2 on the ballot, Kaiser was first at the table, ready to invest um, both financially but also engaging all of their all of your localities across the state to be a part of the conversation and we know that this like you said doesn't just impact all of the eight million people you serve but the three hundred thousand employees that you have um, businesses have 
have told us how much they are impacted. We know healthcare is a huge business for us in California. How much our employees are impacted by this lack of affordable housing? Uh, we also had the opportunity with through our relationship with Opportunity Starts at Home to work with many of the um, the health health plans in California to advance a policy letter with the Center for Budget and Policy that went um, went to Congress to really say, not from a housers perspective, but from a healthcare perspective, we have got to have rental subsidies, we've got to have dollars invested to support the people we care about because we're not able to provide healthcare, to have good health outcomes without Congress putting money, putting resources into development, into rental subsidies. And so that act through our relationship with the Opportunity Starts at Home program had a huge impact because it wasn't the traditional housers, it was healthcare that said, this is critical, you, you all have got to take a stance and have to invest. And so we saw that is really viable. So with, between, with our bond campaign as well as that, we also are excited about investing, looking deeply in community across the state because we also see any, any effective policy work as locally directed and connected, regionally organized to advance state solutions. And so partnering with Kaiser, who is so deep in all of our communities and changing environments is really an opportunity that we're happy to start down this path with you and looking forward to creating huge systemic change and policy outcomes in the long run. Yeah, and I mean, the, the, you mentioned the letter, which I want to I just read a, a paragraph out of that letter. Um, so Lisa talked about, and, and I think this is an example of um, specifically what the collaboration has looked like, and it's, and it's been specific. So in April 2018, Housing California sent a letter to the entire uh, California congressional delegation. Uh, Senator Feinstein and Harris, along with all of the House representatives. And it, it was a letter about housing investments, and it was signed by a bunch of healthcare organizations, right? Um, Alameda Alliance for Health, Alameda Health System, Anthem Blue Cross, California Association of Public Hospitals, Central California Alliance for Health, Cor uh, Corporation for Supportive Housing, HealthRight, 360, uh, Housing California, Dignity Health, Inland Empire Health Plan, Kaiser Permanente, LA Health, LA Care Health Plan, Lifelong Medical Care, Partnership Health Plan of California, uh, Abode Services, and it's a, this is amazing. And the first paragraph, I think, jumps out right at you. Quote, as leaders in California's healthcare safety net and providers of healthcare, behavioral health, and supportive housing for California's most vulnerable residents, we recognize that safe, decent, affordable housing provides a critical foundation for the health and well-being of the people we serve, including children, seniors, people with disabilities, and people who experience homelessness. Here in California, we are engaged in cross-sector partnerships to invest in housing. We have been making important progress linking health services and housing opportunities for people who face the greatest health-related risks and challenges in coordinated efforts to reduce avoidable hospitalizations and other costs for crisis care and to improve the health of people and communities in our state. And then the letter says in big bold letters, we are writing to urge you to support adequate federal funding to provide rental assistance to people with the lowest incomes including full funding in HUD's budget at the level needed to renew all housing choice vouchers as you take action on spending for the upcoming fiscal year. So these are healthcare organizations urging elected officials to do something about the HUD budget, to renew a specific type of program, housing choice vouchers. I know it's, 
it's just a letter, but take a minute and think about that. Think about what that means. Think about how transformative and, and unprecedented that is. Um, this is, it, you know, it's, it's not just health systems that are getting involved in the development of housing. They're also getting involved in policy advocacy, right? This is telling the federal government what ought to be done in housing by healthcare groups. And so I'm envisioning the elected officials who get this letter um, and then they, you know, they read it and say, okay, it's about housing. And then they see the signatories and they say, huh, mm-hmm. you know, is this a typo, right? But this is exactly the point of multi-sector efforts. It's the theory of change that policymakers can't be hearing from the same housing organizations they've always heard from about the importance of housing. This takes it to, I think, a whole new level um, when you have health systems saying it too. So, Angela, I want you to kind of take us into what the internal conversations have looked like at KP. But give, it, give the audience, let, let them be a fly on the wall. <laughs> They're inside a, a meeting at, at KP and you're talking about housing. And, and I guess my curiosity is, you know, does KP view um, involvement in affordable housing as, you know, a nice to have? Or is it a need to have? In other words, uh, is it seen as sort of going above and beyond in a voluntary way? Or is it seen as absolutely mission critical? That's a great question. And I think that, um, you know, just because we, we recognize through our work that it's really important for people to live in safe, vibrant communities, uh, not only for our members, but for our employees and the people who live, you know, with 13 million members that we have, and Bernard Tyson will say mm-hmm. that we're influencing the lives and health of 65 million people that live in the area where we provide services. Yeah. And I think that, um, as I mentioned, as, as we've learned more about this, we've just deepened our understanding of some of the things that you mentioned that are so critically important to keep people housed, the policy issues, keeping people, giving people rent vouchers, giving people access to legal aid so that they can stay yeah. housed yeah. Uh, is critically important. And, um, and because we recognize that housing is a root cause of health, it's critical to our mission to continue to provide high quality care and serve our communities. And so I would say that it's mission critical mm. for us that we step into this arena and partner with the unusual suspects. Uh, yeah. Bernard Tyson is chair of the Bay Area Council this year, and so he has actually compelled them to uh, create a homelessness task force where they're actually looking at policies to try to address homelessness. And so we're taking our voice in this arena, we're taking our history of community health and investment in communities and elevating it so that we can uh, just deepen our work in the area and really fulfill our mission to improve the health of our communities. So. What's a need to have, one, because it impacts our ability to be able to recruit mm-hmm. um, a workforce that can live yeah. near where they work. We've got, we don't want our frontline staff to have to commute hours to come into work yeah. if they don't have to. Um, it's impacted our ability to recruit physicians in the Bay Area just because housing costs are so high. So that's even for physicians. Even for physicians, <laughs> yeah, people yeah. coming out of residency. Yeah. Um, and so that, that's why it's a need to have you know, for yeah. us because we recognize that it's so critical to, to, our, to our constituency, but also it's mission, critical to our mission because it's who we are as an organization to yeah. continue to evolve to meet the needs. Has it, has it required a culture shift within the organization? Has it changed the way that you interact with folks in other, um, in, in, within the healthcare sector? I think the culture shift is, is happening now. Yeah. As I mentioned, we had traditionally done our community benefit work that evolved under Dr. Ray Baxter when I first started at the organization almost mm-hmm. 18 years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, the work has evolved tremendously over the years. 
And now with Dr. Shakira's leadership, we're, as I mentioned, we're transitioning from just doing traditional community benefit work to doing deeper community health work. So we're in the midst of working with our business, our, the sectors and functions mm -hmm. within the organization to really think creatively about how they can leverage their, their, their expertise and knowledge and assets to support community health. So in terms of just um, you know, how we're doing our work, it's, just a way, it's a different way that we're bringing resources together to support the community in a, in a, deep, in a deeper way. Mm -hmm. What's been the reaction from other players in the healthcare space, other uh, healthcare systems, when, particularly when KP announced this huge investment in affordable housing. What yeah. was your reaction? And you don't have to name names, but I'm curious. <laughs> oh, well, you know, please do. Yeah, yeah but please do. <laughs> no, I'm curious, no, no, though. No, 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 no. I mean, what, what was it like? Was the reaction like, oh, there goes KP again, those do-gooders, they're always doing above me, or, or was it like, Heck yeah, we should all be doing this stuff. I mean, what was the reaction that you got from? Well, I have to say, actually, our, our healthcare partners in the Catholic healthcare system have been making investments in housing yeah. before we did. True. Yeah, so no we had the opportunity actually to learn from them yeah. and their work and yeah. when we created this investment fund for housing. So mm -hmm. I think our engagement in the work, I hope they were excited about it. I yeah. mean, competition yeah. is always good, you know, yeah, when you're true. talking. <laughs> Helps yeah. you do better in the long run. But I think that I'm hoping that they were really ex they were excited about the work. Um, yeah. I had the opportunity actually to partner uh, to join three other healthcare systems in a le learning lab around housing investments. And okay. we're all doing great work in yeah. terms of really trying to figure out how to um, identify ways to, to create provide affordable housing for those who need it and really track the health income impacts that will come from them with people living in affordable housing. So I, I think us getting involved will actually hopefully elevate the conversation to an, another level. Mm -hmm. We'll strengthen the network of healthcare systems that are trying to address this issue from a policy perspective, but also just a, as a convener and trying to create more collaboration around the work that we can do not only at a local level, but at a national level. So our engagement, I, I hope and believe, actually helps strengthen the, the existing network of work that people that are trying to do this work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to ask about the challenges. So we've we've talked about how exciting this work can be, but it's also it's also really tough work too. So I wanted to ask both of you about the kind of the challenges. And so I'll start with um, I'll start with Angela. Just I mean, what are the biggest challenges for KP when you're in this housing space? I think just the sheer scale of the issue is, yeah. is a challenge in terms of what we're trying, what we're up against, and what we're trying to address. When you have, uh, a, you don't have enough housing being built to meet the demand. You don't have enough housing along a continuum of need. When I think of um, the challenges, I think of the most vulnerable populations in our community that will probably always need subsidized housing. When yeah. you think of youth who are come exiting foster care systems or those exiting incarceration. When you think of the disabled community, I, my niece has a disability. She's mm -hmm. going to have to live in subsidized housing the rest of her life, and I want to make sure that there's healthy housing available for her. And so those uh, those are some of the challenges I think that we face ensuring that communities are designed so that people can live in, in, in a safe space and have access to resources and have access to the supportive services that they need to remain housed. I also think we didn't get here overnight and we didn't get here by accident. Yeah, and no, so no yeah. um, income inequality, poverty, historical racist um, housing policies yeah. are hard to, you, it's hard to undo the impacts that that has had on our community. And so I think we're, we're facing a little bit of an uphill battle, but I'm not, um, I believe that we can actually begin to make real change as we recognize what has gotten us here in the first place and begin to undo that as best we can. And um, I think those are some of the 
challenges, but also the opportunities that we face as an organization. And, com and those challenges will provide solutions for us as we move forward and deepen our work in this area. Yeah, very well said. Uh, Lisa, what, what, I mean, what are your biggest challenges um, for Housing California and pulling together uh, multi-sector partners? Yeah, um, that's a great question. And I so appreciate your responses very much in line with how we think mm -hmm. out of Housing California. You know, we believe multi-sector partnerships are really critical to building power and winning holistic solutions to fighting poverty and advancing opportunities on a number of fronts. But they take time. They yeah. take time and they mm -hmm. take commitment to nurture the relationships, to not only build the relationships, but find shared goals and learn how to work effectively together to advance shared solutions. We, um, and we all have competing priorities and there's only so much capacity. So we see again, like there's, there's a lot of will at this point and then we've got to, we've got to build up to be able to be able to do that. You know, Housing California is a lean and mean organization. We operate with a relatively few staff and that means prioritizing and focusing. And we recognize that other organizations face similar challenges. So we, we believe it's really important to ensure that the coalition is, a, is effective at using our resources that is leading to building power and winning real policy solutions. Yeah, yeah this is something that, I mean, we've, we've faced at the, at the national level too, where, um, you know, all of the organizations on our steering committee, they're, you know, they have big challenges on their main priorities, right? Whether they're a housing organization or a health organization or an education organization or civil rights, um, everybody's got a priority issue that is um, really pressing, uh, particularly right now. Um, and yet we're still finding that people are carving out the time and the space to talk about the intersections of housing. And I think it mm -hmm. speaks to this growing awareness that even though there's all of these priority issues and, and things feel a little crazy right now, People are, they're, they're forward looking and they're putting their, their time and their resources into these intersections. And I think that that's really encouraging um, for this work. So I wanna end with just kind of the, the forward looking question. So Angela, I'll start with uh, what, what's KP's future in the housing arena of more focus on investments, maybe more policy advocacy. What's uh, what's on the horizon for you all? I think all of the above. I think yeah. we're going to continue to learn about our work in this area, and I think the the the, the fund is so new. We're still figuring out our first yeah, investment right. that we'll make. Right. So we'll learn from that first investment that we'll make, and we're going to be looking nationally at different opportunities okay. that will meet the needs of the communities where we'll be making our um, making our deep impact investments there. And I think that um, we'll continue to consider different policy options that we can weigh in on, mm -hmm. uh, as we've done with this one, yeah. and just continue our work in this area and continue to partner with um, different organizations to understand the different ways that we can actually make investments around preserving um, affordable housing, preventing gentrification, potentially building housing in areas where people need it. And so I, that's going to be the future of the work around this, the investment fund, but also learning from that to see how that can actually influence some of the other community health work that we'll be doing, not only in Northern California, but also nationally. Mm -hmm. And Lisa, how about Housing California? What's on the... What's on the horizon? What are your goals and plans? Yeah, I just wanted to note, so I worked on the 1115 waiver, the Medicaid 1115 waiver, when I first came to Housing California, understanding that intersection, and saw folks really struggle with even understanding what the conversation was, and that was just 2014 that we were having that conversation. And um, since then, we've been able to advance Housing for Healthy California and really looking at ways that we can effectively pair 
housing programs with um, whole person care and healthy homes and other progressive efforts. And so really seeing that shift. And so as I think about, I too see the opportunities. I think that you know there has been challenges, but we've been building towards this mm-hmm. momentum. And so where we are today and what I see through the Opportunity Starts at Home lens is the specific ways that we can look at producing more homes, preserving what we have and protecting all the people that we care about. And I think the biggest thing for us right now is really thinking about the November ballot. Proposition one, the $4 billion Veterans and Affordable Housing Act is really going to create homes for the people that we've been talking about, people with disabilities, people with low incomes, people um, experiencing homelessness, seniors, veterans, migrant farm workers Mm -hmm. and then uh, the two billion dollar no place like home proposition two is really going to serve the people that you were talking about that are Mm -hmm. experiencing already experiencing homelessness or at the at risk of and have serious mental health conditions so um, housing california along with kaiser uh, digme health a lot of our other key partners health plans I really see this as the moment that we can figure out how we can leverage our efforts, advance our collective um, policy advocacy, focusing and changing the dominant narrative and building power through these multi-sector coalitions and networks to create the California we want to see. Yeah, great. The optimism is inspiring. This is this is really great stuff. So I want to thank you both for your leadership in this space. This is really tremendous work. Um, and thank you all for spending a little bit of time to educate our viewers on what's going on in California between housing and health. So thanks a lot for joining us. Much appreciated. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Thanks, Angela. Thanks.